Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate. Today I get to interview my friend Benji. Benji has been a hey. has been in real estate for the past nine years. He's currently a real estate agent, a real estate lender, a real estate flipper, along with a, a buy and hold investor. Hey Benji, can you can you introduce yourself real quick? Yeah. Uh, first of all, Brian, I want to say thank you and thanks for having me on your podcast. You know, I'm really excited to be here, and you know, I'm excited that you're doing a lot of good things, sharing value for your audience. Uh, so, regarding about me, I started my real estate career when I first bought my condo. Obviously, that was back in 2010, and you know, at that time, I didn't have much money. It was just a condo. But the timing was right in 2010. Anything you've, anyone who's ever bought in 2010 was fairly cheap. And I didn't know the concept then, but it was the concept of house hacking. I had my college roommate then to uh, live with me. And, you know, essentially, as you know, over the years, mm-hmm. I learned, started getting to more um, immerse myself in real estate. And, but essentially, that's how I started, you know. Um, you start house hacking and then from then on just kind of built up equity and to progress to like where I am now with investing in 70 units out of state and, you know, aiming for that 700 units eventually. Okay. Wow. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty cool how you got, how you got started in real estate. What were some of the challenges when you first began your real estate career? In my career, honestly, um, you know, I, I think starting out, obviously, it's just a trial and error type, right? Most investors, you know, I think from, from all the investors that we meet at many conferences and real estate meetups, um, some of them have, you know, background with their families. Um, some of them are, a lot of them are like us, just like trial and error. Mm-hmm. Honestly, for me, this concept of real estate started when, way back in college, um, I went to a private university in USC. It's in LA. Mm-hmm. and what I noticed is that all this rich alumni who's ever donated to the schools, the universities, they, you know, this one guy from the engineering school, Viterbi, Andrew Viterbi, donated $152 million at that time. Whoa. When I was a student, I was like, how is that possible that one guy who studied engineering donated $150 million for, for the university? And, you know, I read up his bio as a student and I was like, wow, like, Mm-hmm. They didn't make their money through engineering. They made their money in real estate. So all along, like since college, I knew there was something there that I had to figure out. And honestly, that was like the birth. That's the, you know, that was like the, the thing that bugged me in my head that kept me thinking something about real estate that we need to, I need to, I needed to learn. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I mean, what was the very first deal that you did? Can you walk us through it? And what, you don't mind sharing, like, what were the numbers in those? Are you talking about the deals itself? Yeah, your first deal ever. Well, that was a condo. Um, you know, uh, a condo in San Pedro. That's like 30 minutes south of Los Angeles. Um, mm-hmm. It was... I bought it for 190000 190000 um, Wow, what year is Two-bath two condo, 2010. Oh, wow. So at that time, how, how, you asked me, how do I know that 190000 was a good deal? Because... Mm-hmm. 
as a college student in 2007, that same condo was selling for 400000 Wow. So I was like, at 190 that's like 50% discount. I, I think it's good enough. I may not come to the very bottom of the market, but it's good enough. So that was my first start. And I actually just had sold that property um, a month ago wow. for 350 So I made a little bit of money you know, yeah. over nine years. Congratulations. How'd you find this deal? Thanks. At that time, it was, you just go on. I think that was then Zip Realty, you know, just MLS. You found it on Zip Realty, MLS? Wow. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool, man. Did you yeah. face any challenges with that property? Like, did you have any tenant problems? What was your first intention when you first picked it up? The first intention then was for me to live close to work. And that was my only criteria why I bought this property. Um, and I also knew my college friend then, my buddy. He would say, oh yeah, I'll live with you at that location in San Pedro because he wanted to be in that area. So it kind of worked out. It was safe for me that, you know, I had a friend helping me to pay for the mortgage. Mm-hmm. The original intention was for me just to live in it and just do it one step at a time. So I wasn't really all in in real estate then. Wow. Um, I didn't really get to real estate like full, full blown 100% until mm-hmm. 2014 when I saw the potential and met the right people along, along the year. So that's essentially your first time or you didn't know at the time, it was house hacking, right? Where you just literally like moved into a property, rent out a room to like help pay for your mortgage. That's right. That's wow. right. The house hacking, that concept came way after, I, <laughs> I, you know, yeah. rented out the property. Yeah. That term was coined in bigger pockets way after, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, what kind of type of deals have you been working on recently? And, you know, have, 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 I mean, what kind of natural progression from that first move? Did you continue doing, you know, buying holds or did you look into flips or what was the next progression for you? Yeah. So obviously it was my first place to live. And then I was still working. I had a job at that time and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, by working, I was able to save up more money at the time in 2014. So mm-hmm. I, I was ready to buy another. And wow. throughout those years from 2010, 2014, I was just learning, reading a lot on bigger pockets, mm-hmm. educating myself, you know, investing a lot on just knowledge. And I was able to um, buy this duplex that had a you know, third unit, especially a triplex in uh, Alhambra. That's about 15, 20 minutes east of downtown LA. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good market. Um, the realtor that I worked with eventually became my mentor. And wow. he's the guy who got me into like the flips from 2014 all the way until like 2017. So I did a lot of flips. That's one of the ways to uh, build your capital too. Yeah. And especially in LA because, you know, we, we have a lot you know, appreciating market over here. And yeah. It helps. Yeah. So your natural progression is first you bought a house or condo for yourself first and you're like, Hey, this is great. I'm house hacking my next move. I'm going to go out there and flip some houses. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That was my, my progression. It's one way to progress. Right. It sounds pretty natural. You know, you get used to the buying process and then from there you're like, Hey, like, you know, save me up money. How can I create my reservoir of money quicker? Yeah. If I can tell you, Brian, um, you know, one thing that pushed me to, really go full state in real estate in 2014. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I have family in the Philippines, obviously, and my uncle, um, I visited him in the Philippines, mm-hmm. and 
at that time, 2014, I went, um, he had built a hotel uh, from the ground up. Wow. And, you know, he's like a distant uncle. And when I visited him, it was a 132-unit hotel in uh, like an hour south of Manila. Anyway, mm-hmm. when I arrived in Manila and I told, you know, the, local, the locals, I said, hey, take me to the, the Vera Hotel. You know, it's my last name, Hotel. So <laughs> um, it was kind of flattering because the locals knew it was like a landmark in the city, right? So mm-hmm. I felt like, wow, I'm related to that business. I ran his numbers and I even stayed at that hotel. And it turns out that like he had to move me, move me from each separate rooms each night because the occupancy was very high. Mm-hmm. I ran his numbers. I was just curious. I never asked him how much money he made. I ran his numbers, but I realized that he's made a lot more money in that one hotel business than the money he's ever made anywhere else, like having a job with, with the city of LA. LA. So mm-hmm. that was the light bulb moment for me to say, hey, dude, no more excuses. You better go full speed on real estate because this thing works. I mean, it's obviously working out, man. You. Nine years in so far, so can't wait where you're going to be in the next five years, you know? Dude, we're going to be together buying our yachts, man. <laughs> That's the goal, right? Yeah, I mean, I know, I know a lot about your 70-unit 70, 70 apartment right now that you're currently investing in. Can you kind of help the audience understand what was your biggest challenges in this apartment unit? What was your mindset going into it? How did you find a deal? I mean, what kind of challenges did you face and how, how did you fix it? Yeah. So at that time, obviously, you know, um, started, I started building up my capital. I started to have confidence listening to all these guru experts online. All they preach about is scale it. So I was able to partner with one of my business partners, James Strand. Um, mm-hmm. He has some capital. We put, we put our capital together and said, hey, dude, let's do this scaling thing and we went multifamily. So we scouted maybe five or different six cities, studied every market in the United States and we ended up in Columbus, Ohio, the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And essentially, you know, we did the best due diligence we could as, you know, as new new multifamily investors and we pulled the trigger. And it was thirty I think about thirty percent down payment. Okay. Borrowed the rest. Um you know, each step of the way, you know, we have that, we've had that property for a year and a half now. And I mean, so far we've learned a lot, definitely. Um, a lot of lessons learned for each of the steps, each of the mistakes we've made. And, you know, in this business, I feel, yeah. what was the you don't really know until I try it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. One of the biggest problems I feel we had was the manage, managing the manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's kind of like dating, you know, you don't, you don't really know what you get until you spend time with that person. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this one guy, um, you know, he's, he's been in the business for 30 years and I guess he just wasn't performing to our expectations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, partially we've done a lot of self uh, analysis and James and I, my partner, you know, my partner James realized that the result is, the results of the manager is only a reflection of yourself, of me and mm-hmm. James. So the results that we get is a reflection of how we perform. Mm-hmm. So if I tolerate a bad manager, that's a reflection on me. Mm-hmm. So I can't really blame, you know, being out of state and him being so far away. It's, uh, 
I can't really put all the blame to someone else. It's all about like what you have to do. So anyway, a year after into it, we, we changed managers and right now it's only looking up. So um, we're, we're very excited and we're very um, fortunate that we have a good team now. Okay. I mean, what are, what, is that the only issue you guys face with the unit or is there anything else? Uh, so I think the ma- most, the hardest one is the managers, right? And the second thing is basically the tenant base. Essentially, it's a uh, C-class b- building for in a C-class neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I've invested out of state. And this is the first time I'm facing these kind of problems. But mm-hmm. when you step back and look at it, it's really the norm. It's, you know, the, the problems that we face are the problems that you expect mm-hmm. managing a C-class property in a C-class neighborhood. Um, so nothing out of the ordinary besides, you know, putting the right team together. I think that's, that takes time. Mm-hmm. So obviously time is equal money. So, I mean, you know, sometimes we think about the opportunity cost that had I stayed on my lane and focused on flipping here locally, yeah. you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, well, could I have done better as far as numbers is concerned mm-hmm. if I had kept that money in LA. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, going out of state could have gone the other way too. So, um, you know, it's a lot of learning um, opportunities for, for this. And I feel like in, if you want to grow, really, you got to step on the yeah. gas and this is the right thing to do. Yeah. So, uh, no regrets, man. I mean, I, I enjoy it and I love, I love doing what my mm-hmm. is now and I still believe in um, going, you know, 700 units eventually. So, yeah, uh, that's, that's a goal, man. Let's that's a right. Yeah, that's, if we can do a deeper dive into this, how did you find a deal? And, you know, did you guys do a 1031 exchange into it? Can you kind of explain what a 1031 exchange is? So, yeah. Yeah, for some of our, your, your audience who uh, <laughs> don't know 1031, 1031 is essentially a uh, tax deferment process where you make your profit on a property. So I made, I think, around $200,000 on the last flip. And if I were to put that money in my bank account, IRS, Uncle Sam would want a good percentage of that, like 30,000, 30%. So what is that, like $60,000 of taxes? Mm-hmm. So the IRS created the 1031 option where that $200,000 profit would be deferred by investing into a replacement uplegs property. Mm-hmm. Basically, you invest, reinvest it to um, another property that you like. Mm-hmm. And that way, you, you never get um, taxed on it. Okay. But you do have to pay tax on it eventually. But you know, <laughs> deferred we'll, tax. We'll, yeah, we'll, we're deferring uh, it. Not ta- ta- tax evading. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, there's ways to do it. So, um, you know, but that's, we'll, we'll take it one step at a time. Okay. So you got... The important thing okay. with the 1031, though, is that, um, you know, the investor he should never have the account into his, he should have never have the proceeds into his account. There's someone called uh, 1031 intermediary mm-hmm. who holds your money. So that's very important in that doing 1031. Okay. Wow. How'd you find your 1031 attorney? It was a referral, you know, uh, by the escrow company because they're in the business. They know who the go-to guys are. And I think it's one of the important things in this business. You have to have good uh, team members to uh, grow your business. Okay. Did the attorney, you don't mind sharing, like the attorney, did he charge a flat fee or a percentage of the deal or how did that I work? I think it was $900. Okay. 
nine hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's that's pretty Plastic. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's market price. Yeah, I've seen cheaper blends. You gotta pay someone you like. You know, you don't want to work with the cheapest okay. person in the business. Yeah, I guess is I guess for us to change gears a little bit. I mean, you mentioned earlier that you you made two hundred k off your, off a flip project. Can we dive into one of your flip projects you done recently and kind of walk us through how you how you found a deal? Yeah. How to form the yeah. rehab? How'd you find contractors? Any challenges? Yeah. So back in 2014, I had this, um, uh, you know, my mentor when I bought my second place. Um, that's who I met, uh, David, uh, David Franco, if you're listening. Hey, man. Um, <laughs> and so um, he, he showed me who his contacts are as far as the, how to flip. You know, I remember the first flip I did with him. Um, I would get a measuring tape, measure every room and like write out the cost for every single thing that you need to pay for and replace inside the house, whether it's doorknobs, $12.99, uh, toilet of $150. Wow. So you add everything up, the knobs, you know, everything, you know, that's how I started and just like come up with a price. Okay, this is your budget for renovation. So, um, you know, and then obviously after so many uh, partnerships with him, I did my own flip finding my own deals, finding my own contractors. And um, I did the same thing. You know, the fundamentals, uh, you buy low, know your budget, how much you're going to spend, and you price it out. And then you have to be able to sell it on a, uh, on a profit. You know, with that strategy, it's very useful when it was appreciating, the market was appreciating from 2010 to 2017, 18. Mm-hmm. I think now, obviously, that strategy of flipping may not be the best um, uh, strategy for, for flippers, in my opinion, because, you know, you got to have like a certain um, spread in order for you to, to make your profit after doing all that work, renovating mm-hmm. a house. Um, I mean, there is a lot of problems that you face from renovation to selling it to like you staying up late at night because you wonder if you're going to hit your numbers or not. Um, so yeah, it's, I think the important thing is having, you know, uh, educating yourself and, you know, having mentors like you, obviously, um, who just share the knowledge to people and um, they get better. So they're able to avoid expensive mistakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, for that last deal, did you, so you bought the deal in 2014, right? Uh, okay. So the one deal we can talk about in, um, the one in Glendale, that was 2015. Okay. I bought it in 2015. I bought it for 600000 Okay. One year later, I sold it for 900000 Wow. I geez. spent hundred k of renovation uh-huh. over a year and then put new tenants in. So, um, yeah, sold it 900 back in 2017. So, yeah, that was a good 200 k spread. That's, that was probably one of my best ones that I had. Was that, was that the one you used to 1031 exchange into your 70 unit? Yeah, partially, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was one deal, dude. I mean, and, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like killing it like other people in this business, but it, it's a good spread. Yeah, that's good. It was scary though. I'll, I'll tell you that. It was scary when I bought it because it had foundation problems. I never had to deal with any foundation issues in any of my flips. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, uh, like I was shaking, like, is this, you know, just how it's going to fall <laughs> tomorrow? Yeah. Um, but, you know, in this business, like yeah. growing, 
I think is very important. And if I was going to stay in this business long-term, I better know how to handle foundation. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I mean, I have a lot of people that come out to my meetups and they always ask me about partnerships. And from my perspective, I was telling partnership is really hard because essentially it's almost like you have to be very compatible with the other person and you're dating and whatnot. How do you find your partnerships? I mean, it sounds like you've been through a lot of partnerships already, through your flips, through your 70-unit 70, 70 apartment. Like, what was your criteria? And did you approach other people? Did other people approach you? Like, How do you know whether or not you want to work with someone on a deal? Yeah. So, so in my case, initially, you know, it was a real estate agent, my first partnership, and he became a mentor. He was light years ahead of mm. me as far as knowledge. The second partner I had was um, the gentleman I, I did business with in uh, Columbus, Ohio. But we did some flips together locally first. And mm. actually with, with that gentleman, James Tran, um, him and I went to the same high school, but we never talked in high school. We were not friends in high school. <laughs> after college, <laughs> we went to different colleges. Yeah, after colleges, we went to different colleges. I graduated, he graduated. We're in the same year. And then him and I met online on Bigger Pockets. Whoa, and then I said, are you James Tran from my high school? And then we met up and since then we clicked. And then I kind of liked the guy. So, yeah, so then we, we worked together. Um, so it, it, all, it all worked out. But I mean, you know, it's, it, it is a um, uh, there's compromises in 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 the relationship, just like mm-hmm. anything. Um, but it's a good way to check and balance, and you know you'll you'll really learn about the other person because James and I, for example, have different risk tolerances, and I think everyone's just like a different flavor. You know, that's why real estate is great. There's something for everyone, mm-hmm. depending on your risk tolerance. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it sounds like. You have a formula, you know, your partnership became mentorships and your high school friends, real estate partners. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, obviously we're always looking for partners too, you know, obviously if if we want to go into bigger deals, one of the things I've learned, actually Mm -hmm. one of the skills I'm working on personally is having the knowledge to be able to uh, raise money because that's something I've never done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I realized, in order for me to scale, like really scale my business, mm-hmm. I can't do it just from the money that I make. Yeah. Um, and I have to rely on OPM as well. Yeah. So okay. I'm learning that skill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm learning that skill to just say, hey, man, I got a deal. Let's do this. But that takes time also. And uh, studying it would help. Yeah, that's good, man. So, how do you keep yourself motivated to reach your goals? What, is there any particular wow. thing that you do or do you do affirmations? Do you read books? Do you write? Yeah, I've, I've always been a big reader. Ever since I left college, I've started reading books that I liked, you know, and that's the beauty of like not being in school because being in school is kind of like a trap. That you have to read the books, the textbooks that they assign to you, mm-hmm. whether you're interested in it or not. And since then, I mean, I read a lot of books, mostly business, real estate, um, psychology, uh, autobiographies, I read a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So I think in the business, you have to be uh, well-rounded, different topics, different analysis. You know, Obviously, real estate is obviously uh, probably 60% of what I read. The other 40% is like business, um, history, 
and just like economics and psychology. So reading all this keeps you motivated from time to time? Yeah, because one book can change your life. Um, one book and you get into it, you realize, wow, like this is the book. And then you start, that book becomes your life. You eat it, leave it, breathe it for like the next six months of your life. And you, you, you practice what you read. And, you know, sometimes it's just ideas and, you know, um, you can sit there and have ideas from different people. Some of the greatest people on the earth who have books, you know, and mm-hmm. you, can, you can learn a lot from them. That's good. Besides reading books, like, is there any other ways you keep yourself motivated? Do you go out to meetups? Do you read? Do you, I mean, y'all do you read, but do you write? New affirmation and things like that? No, I don't, but I think partially, I think, um, inside me, there's, there's some kind of, uh, like insecurity as far as like being accepted in the family. And I think partially, um, I'm motivated by, um, wanting, having the, this, this desire to, um, franchise and expand the Denver Hotel. And, oh, wow. you know, I, I started reading, you know, the history of like the Hilton hotels, right? So like mm. that family, how they started, um, you know, everyone starts with one and then it's kind of like your, your hustle, the execution piece that you have, I have to learn mm-hmm. to really expand and, and do that. So, um, you know, that's the reason why I got my license, fully immersed myself in real things because the end goal is to really just expand that portfolio. That's really cool. Why, man? Legacy yeah, NG. I like that. Oh, it has no longer. Uh, oh, it has. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Technical difficulty. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> what kind of advice would you give someone that's just starting out? Uh, obviously, number one, listen to your podcast because I know you bring a lot of cool cats in this show. Um, <laughs> you bring a lot of value to the real estate community, and I think that's one advice I can give them. And you know, obviously, there's a lot of other resources too, free resources. Um, bigger pocket, um, some of the gurus, a lot of real estate books. Um, but you know, I went to this uh, one conference by uh, Rod Cleese. He's one of the multi-family guys. Mm-hmm. Um, he essentially said that this real estate business is only twenty percent of your success. Eighty percent of it is really your mindset. So he always starts his his um, conferences with um, mindset. Getting your mindset right, eighty percent. Mm-hmm. Once that's set the right way, program the right way. The other 20% is just mechanics. You know, it, things will, you can learn how to oh. finance a, a property. You can learn how to flip mm-hmm. a property, escrow, title, officers, you, you name it. It's, that's 20% mechanics, but 80% is the mindset that you need in order to be successful in the business. So I, I, I subscribe to that. Wow, I love that. If you were to do one thing differently, to begin your real estate career, what would have you done differently? I think I would have started earlier, sooner. Earlier? And yeah, yeah. I think um, the time, use your time to your advantage. And for us, you know, I think we're fairly young, but still, um, we, we're going to be dangerous. We're going to cause some damage when we reach our <laughs> 40s and 50s. I know that for a fact because we're more experienced. And um, yeah, I think I wish in college I, I got into real estate, but I didn't. So um, that's, that's, okay. that's why, you know, that's not true. everyone has the same yeah, timeline. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I guess the last question I have is what's your favorite book that you like to read? Oh, my favorite. Um, actually, that's a good question. Um, 
I don't have a favorite book, but I still remember one book that we said for that. That really that was like my turning point as far as mm-hmm. getting myself um, educated. You know, your financial literacy. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki is the guy who opened up my mind as far as like the mindset. That was like the beginning of the mindset shift. Um, and then from that book, you grow into like all the other books. Um, you know, from sales to marketing to uh, just real estate. And then now I just read a lot of um, financial statements really from all these deals that I analyze. So that's kind of like what, what takes up my time. It's pretty boring. It's not anything exciting. Just analyzing numbers, calculating their NOI, cap rates, et cetera, all that. But, you know, it's that's a 20% of real estate, right? 80% mm-hmm. of the mindset. Yeah, definitely, man. Hey, Benji, thank you for your time. Can you let our, can you let our audience know how to reach you? Yes. Uh, you can follow me at Instagram at the Benjis, or you can also visit my website, BenjiDevera.com. Brian will provide you that info in your link. And hey, Brian, I just want to say thank you. Thanks for having me. It's fun to be here on your show. And you know, I'm, I'm pulling for you. Um, I hope that we can do business again in the future. And mm-hmm. I look forward to uh, your success. And if there's anything I can do, bro, like hit me up. Definitely, Benji. Thank you. Appreciate it, man.